Hi, welcome to the new episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Luca Rocchini. Today I'm going to have a chat with Tieran. Tieran is a Canadian singer-songwriter based in Tokyo, Japan. As the guitarist for Nature Eyeliner and with his solo career, his songs has been broadcast by over 100 radios and TV stations worldwide. He has also performed in venues like the Hard Rock Cafe in the US and Scotland, as well as circuit style festival such as Zandari Festa, South Korea, International Pop Overthrow, Canada, and Liverpool Sound City in England. How are you? Oh, I'm well. Thanks, Luca. Thanks for having me. Uh, for a start, I would like to know how you become involved with music. How did it all start and what were your struggles? I think your, your story is quite interesting. So if you want to start maybe from the kind of very beginning. Oh, from the very beginning? Like from, from my youth? Well, from wherever you think the spark kind of started. Okay. Um, well, um, I had, let's see, in high school, I was writing poetry um, just like a crazy person, just every day, and uh, I had some friends who were in a band, and the lead singer left the band, and I walked into their rehearsal room one day, and I said, hey guys, I heard you playing some music, and I've got lyrics for it, and they laughed at me, they said, you know, you're not, you're not in a band or anything, and I said, no, no, I want to do this, and they said, okay, and so they played their music, and I sang my lyrics over top, and we became a band instantly. And uh, then it's a story of many decades of being in many bands and um, eventually going to music school and uh, winning some minor awards, moving to Tokyo, and uh, then finally um, getting endorsements and um, significant airplay and um, starting Nature Airliner with Echo and stuff like that. So that's the long story short of it. And, um, and how, how, how did you grow uh, artistically? Um, what have been been your uh, musical inspirations? Is anything in particular? Yeah, um, when I was growing up, uh, a lot of Canadian artists actually. Um, you might know Leonard Cohen, who wrote the song Hallelujah. Um, I was a fan, a huge fan of his second and third album that were recorded in Nashville in the late '60s. Um, also, a lot of Canadian punk, um, SNFU, bands like that, Art Bergman, uh, Propagandi, and um, so I kind of came up through that with an acoustic guitar, being in love with both uh, folk music and punk music, and that's why I ended up where I am today, I guess. So it's a kind of mix of folk mm -hmm. and kind of punk approach. Mm-hmm. And um, I just seen that you, you just published your first, kind of digitally published, your first uh, solo album entitled uh, Kemi Hito Ha. Um, what was the inspiration for it, and if you wanted to do this to us, and why republish it? Okay, um, the album Kamihitoe that was just uh, released digitally uh, through iTunes and Amazon and all the rest um, was an album that was originally released uh, in 2003 on 2.8 Records, which was an indie uh, label here in uh, Japan. And um, as I said, in 2003 it was originally released only as CD, and uh, I had some fights with the label, and it was never released digitally at the time, and I just let it go. I thought, I'm just going to let the world forget about this album and hope nobody noticed. Um, but uh, this year, when I was rebooting my solo career and wanting to rebrand it, 
I thought, you know what, I want to start from the beginning. Uh, so I decided to finally do a digital release of Kamihitoe, and I'm glad I looked back on it because um, although, like many albums, there are some flaws to the album itself, uh, there are some fantastic tracks on it, particularly the first one and the last one, so I'm trying to push them as singles right now. And uh, would you like um, to perform one of your songs? Is the songs that uh, from Kamihito He or...? Uh, I'd actually like to perform something more recent, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, it's, um, it's a song so you write something, I... something, something new recently as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I... Although I'm kind of more properly rebooting my solo career this year, um, two years ago I actually released my first acoustic solo EP, just my um, my voice and my guitar, and that was my first attempt to really try and get back to the roots and reboot things. And um, I didn't to do too much promo behind it, but um, the songs are really good, so I'm gonna try and um, yeah, I'm gonna play one tonight. And what, what's um, called? What's it's called "Miss You." It's called "Miss You." Actually, it's called "I Miss You." Love is never complicated Though life can make it seem that way When confronted by the real thing There's not one price that you will not pay To all of the skeptics doubt that this is true I present the evidence I have found in you Everything you mean to me is featured by the simple things Like how I get so high when I touch you I don't mean to wonder why my heart stops each time you smile And every time you go away I miss you Love is never overrated It can change life given the chance it cannot be overstated It can change a lifetime with just one glance And to all of the skeptics who doubt that this is true I present the evidence I have found in you Everything you mean to me is featured by the simple things Like how I get so high when I touch you I don't mean to wonder why my heart stops each time you smile And every time you go away I miss you Some folks say it's a matter of luck And others say that it is faded You could offer a mountain of gold But I still would trade it Everything you mean to me is featured by the simple things Like how I get so high when I touch you I don't mean to wonder why my heart stops each time you smile And every time you go away I miss you Every time I go away I miss you Every time we are apart I miss you Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a million for that. That was um, featured on my first acoustic solo EP, which was released in 2018. And I thought I was going to um, reboot my solo career at that point uh, with just my guitar and my voice. Uh, but I was kind of two years early, um, two years ahead, ahead of the game of, of what I wanted to do. So I'm finally doing that now. And um, 
what, what what's your creative process behind uh, these songs or your new songs? Oh gosh, uh, the creative process. Well, um, for me, historically, it's pretty much always been one of three methods. Um, I sometimes hear snippets of lyrics in my head, and sometimes I hear snippets of music in my head, and then I characteristically take those things and um, kind of plant them in my soul as seeds and then let them develop into a tree, uh, so to speak, which becomes the song. Uh, that Those are two two of the main methods that happened with me, but another prevalent one is that I'll go through song cycles where I will spend time at my desk um, writing lyrics, <clears throat> and then I'll let them sit with me and I'll see if anything speaks to me in terms of music. Uh, and um, I'll keep the good lyrics and throw out the ones that don't seem usable, and the ones that do seem usable I work at developing music too, and those are, so those are the three uh, main ways that I work. Okay. And uh, when, when we first virtually met about kind of a decade ago, yeah. uh, your style was more kind of electric. Um, how? Mm -hmm. What did it make you change kind of more for acoustic setting or kind of going back and forth? Uh, long story short, uh, my first instrument ever uh, when I was uh, 15 at Christmas time was an acoustic guitar. And um, I was in love with Leonard Cohen's early albums right from the beginning. And so I was in love with that acoustic sound. Uh, but very quickly or around the same time, actually, I was kind of growing up in the punk scene uh, in my hometown. And so it was always a struggle with me, but I actually really quickly, at the beginning of my, uh, my professional career, um, started performing uh, with bands and with an electric guitar because I thought, ah, oh, these guys, you know, these punk rockers and, and Nirvana and all these people, these are the real artists because they're angry all the time and uh, they're showing their passion. And so, um, yeah, I, but um, about a year after um, you were so kind as to make that uh, wonderful music video for me for Embrace, um, I, I got tired of screaming all the time. And um, I had written some acoustic songs, uh, and I presented them to Aiko, my wife, and asked her if she could sing them in our bedroom just for fun. And um, it seemed so easy and so natural, and we got offered endorsements and paid gigs really quickly. Um, and I thought, you know, this is so much more... Uh, so much better for my soul right now. I'm not saying I will never go back to making electric music, but that's kind of how the progression was. It started acoustic when I was a teenager. I fell really quickly into the angry, um, loud music. And then, um, yeah, about a decade ago, um, I actually kind of started yearning for the more organic, um, the purity of that, um, the acoustic sound, I guess. Kind of more simpler, easier mm -hmm. kind of way like them having to be angry <laughs> all the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, because you can always find things to be angry about. But around the time that I met my wife, um, I started reading more books about spiritualism and, and just spirituality in general. And I started discovering that um, you tend, we tend to, not all the time, but human beings tend to attract what we put out into the world. And so if I'm always pissed off and I'm always yelling, I'm going to attract bad things into my life, not all the time, but often. And if I actually take the time to try and give people songs that can heal them and that can warm their hearts, then I've actually seen magic happen in my life through my first endorsements ever uh, and all kinds of things like that and being offered gigs that I never thought I'd get. And so, um, yeah, I'm enjoying the process of giving to the world what I want to receive, which is healing and love and warmth and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. 
And if you can tell me a little bit more about uh, um, when you moved from Canada to Japan and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the fact that you play also with Aiko, uh, with your mm-hmm. wife, and mm-hmm. in natural eyeliners. Um, mm-hmm. How did this project start? And are you still planning to collaborate? But first of all, like how, um, what was the reason to move from Canada to Japan? Uh, the reason to move to Japan from Canada was because uh, in 2001, when I graduated from music college in Canada, um, I won the provincial level for British Columbia for a cross-Canada sing- uh, singer-songwriter competition. Uh, every year in Canada, there's a uh, French-Canadian singer-songwriter competition that um, spans the whole country. And um, they do finals in every province, and then they do Canadian semifinals in two different places, and then they have the Canadian final. And I won for British Columbia in Vancouver in 2001. I won Best Artist overall. Uh, and I was, I thought, wow, this is going to be my breakthrough. And uh, the, fi- the Western Canada Finals were supposed to be in Vancouver that year, but they actually got um, transferred to my hometown uh, where I had a lot of bad memories. And um, I had to go to my hometown and compete um, against a lot of pop singers. And I was this you know, punk rocker screaming about how the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were probably not bad people. And all the audience were just horrified. And I, I didn't win any prizes at the uh, Western Canada Finals. And I felt, I felt like I wanted a big change in my life. Is that an ambulance at my place or your place? That's it's yours. In my, my neighborhood. Okay. It's, so, it's Japanese ambulance. Sounds Japanese sounds ambulance. Is that gonna, <laughs> is that gonna be okay for the show or yeah? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So look, it's good. So long story short, um, after I failed to um, win any prizes at the Western Canada Finals for that competition, I, I, I really wanted a big change in my life. And um, I had a friend who worked for 2-8 Records, uh, which was, as I said, an indie label um, here in uh, Japan at the time. And he said, you know what, I want to release a, a Tiernan album. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go to Japan to record it. And he said, no, 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 stay in Canada. You're getting airplane, you're you know, making waves. And I said, you know what, no, I want a big change. And so I moved to Japan and recorded Kamihitoe, which is now being released uh, digitally for the first time. And uh, after five years, I was thinking of going back to Canada. I was thinking maybe I've done all I can do here. Uh, and But then I actually started getting the airplay that um, led to me hiring you to make a music video for me. And um, I actually, within a month of that, actually, I actually um, met my wife and um, we married four months later. And I thought, oh, okay, so I guess I'll stay in Japan a bit longer. So that's kind of the story. And yeah, after, I think it was two years after we got married, that's when I got tired of screaming all the time. I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm screaming all the time and I'm writing angry songs all the time and I'm fighting for gigs here in Tokyo. Whereas this acoustic duo that I just started with Echo, um, Nature Airliner, um, was being offered paid gigs left, right, and center, and uh, endorsements and all kinds of things. And I thought, oh, I just I don't want to do the angry stuff anymore. At least for the time being, it was something I just wanted to quit, and I wanted to pursue the uh, the acoustic avenue with Echo. And now now it's become solo again. But we will, Echo and I will continue to record. We're actually working on new material, um, new arrangements for things we want to release next year. So, yeah. Great, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, how you know talking in Japan always fascinated me. Um, mm. We kind of grew up, with, especially I'm Italian, so in Italy we have a big, huge culture in uh, mm. for Japanese uh, in the nineties. Um, mm. We lo- watch lots of Japanese animations and mm. 
read lots of mangas, so it's kind of mm. kind of known, don't know, like kind of the the, the culture already. Um, but yeah, I would like to know a little bit how to make how how is it to make a living, you know, for an artist in Tokyo. So for uh, English. An artist who sings in English who is not world famous, it is not the best um, place to be in terms of making money because the Japanese market is predominantly, the music market is predominantly dominated by J-pop, which is generally teenage girls or boys, you know, singing that type of song, pop songs, electronic songs, uh, or K-pop, which comes from Korea, as you probably know, and is kind of the similar equivalent, but more more westernized in terms of music. Um, so. I um, have made a good deal of money from my music, but I operate kind of on the outside and I perform uh, outside of Japan as often as possible. Um, I have actually made a lot of money um, as an artist exploring my passions that are outside of my music as well. Um, like when I was a child, I wanted to be a voiceover artist and I wanted to be a journalist. and. Um, I allowed myself to start exploring those things when I um, married Eiko. And um, since then, I've accumulated quite a resume um, as a music journalist and a voiceover artist. I've done um, famous commercials for Nishin noodles, the uh, instant noodles in a cup and stuff like that, and um, quite a deal of, uh, of things like that. So voiceover and, um, and journalism, things like that. I've done a lot of work in that way as an artist as well. So, yeah, so actually, I'm not saying negative things. I'm actually saying that Japan has actually offered me um, the ability to make a living as an artist pretty much how I want to live my life as opposed to limiting myself to one thing. So it's, uh, it's a luxury. It's, it's good. And uh, how, how is the artistic community in, in Tokyo or Japan in general? Um, if there is a music scene, artistic artist scene, or and do you interact much with them? There are a million scenes. Um, even just in Tokyo, there are a million music scenes, and it's uh, it's really quite overwhelming. The city is kind of overflowing with artists, and ironically, uh, a lot of people you see walking down the street in their three-piece suits and briefcases can play better guitar than Eddie Van Halen because they were in bands when they were young and they've kept up that passion as their hobby and they're really perfectionists in their playing. Uh, so a lot of people who are working in offices might play better guitar than I ever will. Um, so it's kind of ironic. So yeah, the, the city's kind of overflowing with artists of every stripe. There's, uh, there's every kind of musician. There's, um, and also beyond that, there's um, fusion musicians and there's um, traditional artists and modern artists and fusion artists uh, you know, in terms of visual uh, art and stuff like that. There's just basically every kind of artist and every kind of art you can imagine here in Tokyo. It's um, it, a person could never get bored in the city if you make the slightest effort to look for, um, yeah, in um, you know stimulus. And uh, you know, the, the, and and do you interact much like with different kind of scenes, or you you meet other artists, other type of artists? Uh, I don't so much this year. This year I've been kind of hiding at home when I'm not working. Uh, but yeah, no, I've met many different artists from many different scenes. Um, uh, as a journalist, I was a big fan of the indie punk scene here and indie metal scene. Um, and also, um, I was lucky enough some years ago to play uh, a gig with a, a lady named Ang Chang. Um, she makes a hybrid 
of indie rock and Okinawan music. I don't know if you're familiar with Okinawan music. It's no. um, Okinawa is the southernmost island of Japan, and it's got a bit of a tropical, almost like a Japanese Jamaican feel to it, I guess is the closest okay. thing I can ex uh, explain. And when I was in Canada, I listened to her records, and I thought, this woman is amazing. She mixes, you know, noisy indie rock guitar with these... Um, you know, southern Japanese sounds, and I thought this woman is so amazing. And when I got to Tokyo, I was able to contact her, and then, as I said just a few years ago, I was able to play a show with her. I mean, I wasn't playing on stage at the same time, but we played on the same bill that I organized. And so I've been lucky in that way. Uh, and also, there are fam um, fame, uh, not famous, but um, fantastic uh, artists here like Dogs. Dogs is a, a grunge band. Um, when you were asking about scenes, um, there are so many scenes here that you can even find something like grunge, uh, which is not, you know, doesn't even really have a, a mainstream um, presence anymore. Uh, but you can find a fantastic band like Dogs. It's D.O.G.S. Um, and yeah, they're one of the most fantastic grunge bands I've ever seen. So um, yeah, and I played lots of shows with uh, the lead singer and with uh, Dogs themselves back in the day. So yeah, sounds. I'm, I'm actually a pl what's that? Sounds very interesting, you know. It is very oh, interesting. I'm actually yeah. playing a, a, an acoustic show, solo show, with the lead singer of Dogs, Koji Tamura, on uh, this coming Saturday night. Uh, he invited me. Somebody canceled on a multi-artist bill. And he said, Tiernan, Tiernan, can you play a, a few songs at this venue? I'm like, oh, dude, I will totally play a show with you. So, yeah, it's good. It's fun. That's actually part of what I wanted to ask you a little bit later on. So, oh. also interesting, you know, uh, interesting, like to know a little bit about the time now we are living, um, you know, this kind of strange days of pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, um, and and how how you has been your life during this time, and um, uh, is anything changed for you lately? Uh, oh yeah, sure, um, a lot. Um, long story short, um, when the current world crisis hit um, in um, I guess February. Um, I was actually doing better in my career than I ever had. Um, I was playing more shows and getting booked for more gigs as a writer and as a musician uh, than ever before. Uh, and even I did my first um, speaking lines in a, a major movie, a major Japanese movie, which is still to be released. Um, and a lot of my peers in North America were seeing me on Facebook and saying, dude, dude, you have to stop gigging. And I'm like, can you swear on your podcast, or can you is it is it can you say can you not swear on your podcast? Is well, it okay to swear? Yeah, of course. You can swear. So these people were telling me you have to stop gigging, and they were telling me this on Facebook, and I was saying fuck you, like I'll, I'm I'm wearing a mask, you know, in public places all the time. I never leave my house without a mask. I try not to touch public surfaces. I make a lot of effort, but I'm not going to stop working. I'm not going to stop working. As an artist, I need gigs to put bread, you know, on the table, and. Uh, so everything was going really, really well until I'd say about April. And then things started really clamping down. Uh, they started having um, temperature guns. Um, it looks like a, you know, like a handgun that they'd put to your head to test your temperature when you'd show up at shoots. And I was panicking. I was like, oh my God, like don't put this thing against my head. I was, it was just my natural re reaction. Um, and uh, yeah, um, there's been a lot. Like Nature Airliner has stopped gigging altogether um, in the past few months because we just Aiko's parents are older and we don't want to risk endangering them. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of measures that we've taken um, to, um, you know, to protect, to do our best to protect the safety of everyone around us, I guess. So there's been a lot of measures, I guess, that we've, we've taken in, yeah. yeah. 
So it has the, the venues haven't been closing totally, like this. this they stay they open. never, they never did completely because the Japanese government has no um, legal authority. It's in their con in the Japanese constitution that they cannot shut things down legally. Um, they can suggest that people don't use venues and stuff like that but and that as a result has had some implications a lot of people stopped going to live music venues and a lot of live music venues had to have fundraisers um online to keep going keep their um you know keep from going out of business um yeah so i nature airline air sorry nature airliner stopped playing um shows for a few months um i stopped playing shows for a few months but it um the venues never did completely close, I don't think. Um, and um, a lot of um, international artists, though, uh, because they didn't want to look bad in the public eye, canceled their shows. Huge mm -hmm. stars um, at, at, at the biggest venues in Tokyo canceled a lot of shows. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think the small venues ever or medium-sized venues ever did really close down in Tokyo. And uh, yeah, it's the long and short of it, I guess. So the government basically didn't really help venues or artists in this time. They actually had a um, um, grant program uh, where you could apply for a certain amount of money. Um, some people got some good amounts of money. Um, you could apply comparing your income with documentation to what you made last year. And if they could see a discrepancy that was significant enough, the government would give you uh, some money. And actually, Eiko and I both got um, a small check as well. So. Yeah, the government has been helping uh, people okay. to a certain degree, and probably better than a lot of places, I guess. So. Okay. Yeah, it sounds similar to here, like in UK with self-employers. Mm. Um, so uh, after going back to to the music, um, mm. so what what are your plans now after uh, publishing and republishing your first album? And mm -hmm. you're writing new songs, so are you thinking to to write to publish a new album as well? I actually have um, a whole stack of some of the best material I've ever written that has never been recorded, um, and three of those songs I intend to release as a new acoustic EP in January. I don't I I don't know when I'll be releasing a new full album. I've been reading a lot about the music industry and how the traditional album has kind of gone by the wayside. I mean, a lot of fans expect famous major label artists to still deliver the traditional album. Um, but a lot of EPs are getting more traction, or singles are getting more traction, or someone like Drake apparently released a 30-song 30, 30 album or whatever it is. So I'm trying to reevaluate what I do, um, and uh, I'll be starting that by releasing a, a new three-song EP of my best songs ever in um, January, I hope. And yeah. Nature Airliner should be doing the same thing around the same time. Okay, that's interesting. And so we're kind of, you think that the, the, the music industry now for kind of, uh, kind of smaller artists are kind of going back to the 50s, like uh, 60s, when singles like uh, ahead of, of uh, albums and albums kind of be, were kind of greatest hits uh, until the Beatles, I think. They started have concept albums and, and the albums became more important than the singles. But we're kind of going backwards, are we? <laughs> I, I'm feeling that and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go with that actually. That's kind of my, my thing right now is what I'm thinking about all the time. It's funny you should mention the Beatles because they've been in my mind all the time lately about that. So 
I think yeah. Rubber Soul was the first uh, mm. album they decided to have a you know release as an album. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last question. And mm. are you still happy to to be in Japan, or are you thinking to move have elsewhere? Kind of heard something that you like um. to do. I am happy in Japan because. As I said before, Japan offers a myriad uh, of things that you could not get anywhere else in the world, and there's such a variety of both stimulus and opportunities here. But my dream is, as you are doing now, to live in London. That's my ultimate um, target. I've been looking at the world for quite a few years now in terms of the music industry and thinking, you know, the world, the four major world centers for music are, as you probably know, Los Angeles, Nashville, New York and London and I've been thinking I don't want to live in the United States and I'm very very passionate about the UK for many reasons uh, England in particular and London in particular so um, it's my current dream to move to London and make a full living as a singer-songwriter yeah that, that, that's some interesting scenes as well in uh, in London like especially in the area we live like it's a uh, very a uh, strong kind of new jazz kind of scene and uh, some amazing actors so but I'm not sure how many uh, different genre uh, <laughs> like in Tokyo they are mm. but you know this shoe space for music like yours um, thank you I think thank you very much for this time with us and uh, that was great thank you for your performance and thank you for the chat and I'm gonna put a link in the description so people can check your work and uh, good luck with your projects and speak to you soon thank you Luca bye for now that's all for today thanks for being with us hopefully you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to follow and subscribe to the next one ciao